Well, it is so good to uh, be together with you today, and thank you for uh, wherever you are at listening online or whether you're in the room. I'm so grateful that uh, we get to share this time together. You know what I believe is in all of us? I believe that in every one of us, we all want to be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves, and we see and we want to be something, a part of something that is better than anything we could do by our Selves. See, we don't like to be part of losing teams. I mean, for all of you college fans out there that your team lost yesterday, I mean, it, it, it just eats you alive when you lose because we don't like to be a part of something that loses. And we just don't like to, that's, that's why we like to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves uh, or that's um, better than anything that we can do by ourselves because to be a part of something that's better or something that is bigger, it benefits us, doesn't it? And it actually, actually, it really does benefit. In fact, in studies and in, in science, it's showing us that it even benefits your mental health to be a part of something that is bigger and beyond yourself. Uh, uh, and, and I believe this is because God made us this way. Since God has made each and every one of us in his image, I believe that the way he's designed for us, he's designed for us is to be a part of something that is bigger and to be a part of something that is better than ourselves. But this world is broken and that means in this world, there's broken things. And, 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 and that means that all of us here are broken people, that, that things have happened to us and, 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 and the things that we've done have broke us as well. And, and we're broken people in a broken world. And in our brokenness, we desire, we desire something that's bigger. And we long for something that is better than we can do by ourselves. In his book, What Happy People Know, psychologist and Dr. Dan Baker, he writes this. He says, happy people know why they are here on earth. They're doing the things they were meant to do. Now, this is what science shows us. But this is in all of us. See, we want to be a part of something bigger and better because that's the way God designed us. And this, Jesus would say, that when you follow him, this is where your joy will be found. This is where you'll truly be happy. This is where you're going to find true fulfillment and satisfaction in life. That is what fills the broken void that's in all of us. See, to be a part of something bigger than myself assigns value and purpose. Being part of something that is bigger gives me value and gives me purpose. And when you come to Jesus, when you come to him, and, and he's the only one who can fill the broken vacuum and the broken void in all of us. He's the only one who can fill that with an infinite supply of who he is. And when you come to Jesus, he fills you with his joy and his fulfillment. And when we receive Jesus as Savior and follow him as Lord, he makes us a part of something that is so much bigger. And what we experience is a life that is so much better. And I'm so happy that we are a part of that. That is the church. That is what Jesus invites all of us into. And it, it's a church that cannot be shaken by the brokenness of life or any difficulty, any pain, or anything that you face in this life. And who we are a part of as we are a part of God's kingdom family. And that is something that is amazing. It's a movement that gives us value and it's a movement that brings us joy. 
Now, more on that in a moment. If you're new with us, my name is Casey, and we are so grateful to share this time together with you. Um, And if you're new with us online, we're so grateful to be together with you wherever you are. Uh, For those of you that are in the room, after the service today, I want to let you know we have a gift for you that we'd love to give you. And one of our hosts are going to be at the welcome table in the back of the room. And if you'll take a moment before you leave, visit the welcome table, and we'd love to give you a gift for being with us today. Also, there's a Connect card that's located in the seat back of that chair in front of you. If you think about it, would you fill that out so we have a record of you being here? You can just give that to the host in the back. If you're new with us online, we'd also love to give you a gift for being with us today. They're posting a Connect card right now uh, in the chat there, and you can fill that out uh, and let us know uh, that you are with us today, and we'd love to send you a gift for being with us today. Hey, Westside, let's let everyone that's watching online and those who are new in the room with us, let them know how grateful we are to share this time with them. Will you do that? Yeah. So if you're new with us or you haven't been with us in a while, we've uh, entered a new season as a church that we are calling Unshakable. And this is a new season that we want something for you. We want you to have an unshakable faith. And what actually our series or our season big idea, our unshakable big idea is something that we want for you. And, and, and if you're new with us, this might shock you a little bit. We're about ready to get loud and you're going to hear it the first time. And then the second time we're going to do it and I want you to do it with us. Okay. But this is what we want for all of us. We want you to know that in Christ we are. Unshakable. Oh, you guys are beautiful. Now, online, we want you to join us. And I want to say it again. If you're new with us, I want you to join in because this is what we want you to know. This is the truth that we want you to experience in life, that in Christ, we are unshakable. This is a season we are in and are. This is a season that we are growing in our faith. And we believe that as we grow in our faith, God will use us to expand his love. And we are going to not just grow and build an unshakable faith, but we are going to release God's unshakable love here and beyond the four walls of our church. And we have one goal. It's 100% engagement. We want every one of us, each of us, young and old, to take a next step in their faith and as they grow in their generosity. This is how we grow. See, our generosity is directly tied to our faith. And our goal is that 100% of us listen to God's voice and just do what God is asking us to do. This is our goal for each of you. We don't want to persuade. We don't want to put pressure on. We just want you to obey and simply obey what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. And now for those of you who have not received an unshakable guide, I want to let you know that we have a guide for you. Um, If you have not received one, we have these in the back of the room. Our host would love to give you one. Just go up to them and say, hey, I'd like to get my unshakable guide. And they will give you that. Uh, also, you can get all the unshakable resources, or you can get this even online if you're watching online at our online hub at unshakable.faith. And so I encourage you to go there. Um, you also, I want to remind you that you, you received a commitment card in that unshakable guide. And this is something that uh, we have just given you and asked you to prayerfully use this as a tool for God to guide you in what he would have you to do. This is all we've asked you to do, and we want you to respond as God asks you to and how he would have you and what he would have you to do to grow in your faith. 
Now, today, our kids are having their commitment Sunday right now in the back of the room. They're going to be bringing their commitments, and they've got a card, and they're going to be talking to you as parents and grandparents um, about what God is asking them to do, and they're going to be giving of their time. They're going to be giving of maybe their stuff. Maybe there's a toy that they can share with someone. They're going to be giving uh, of their talent. Maybe there's an ability they have that can serve someone else, and they're going to be giving, uh, looking for ways that that God can give, uh, even of the money that has been given to them, actually might have come from you. But um, in that, we want them to step into faith and we want them to lead out in this way. And we are not asking you to have them bring that back to the church. This is something that you shepherd them and you lead them to help them give that to whomever they feel God is asking them to give that to because we want them to grow in their unshakable faith. Also, On November 16th, this Wednesday night, our high schoolers are going to gather together. And on their service, they're going to have their commitment night. And they're going to do that, uh, have a a time that is uh, just appropriate for them. They're going to have a commitment card that's that's unique for their season of life. And then for all of us as a church family, next Sunday, we're going to ask you to bring your commitment card. We'll also have commitment cards that you can fill out. And we're going to have a time, it's going to be a very special moment that we're going to have together as a church family. As we commit to growing our faith through generosity. And this is something we're going to do together. And this is going to be saying, God, we want you to show your love through us as we grow in our faith. And so I encourage you to come. Also, our middle schoolers will be having their commitment Sunday, next Sunday during their, uh, during that service there. Now I want you to get out your Bibles because we're going to start. And when you get out your Bibles, we're going to turn to Acts chapter one, but I got to warn you, We're going to end in Acts chapter 8 at the last verse of Acts. So we're going to cover a lot of ground. Are you ready? Come on, give me a little more confidence there. Are you ready? (laughs) Online, I hope you're ready. So here we go. Um, We've been in the book of Acts looking at the church and what God has been doing. Now, Acts is a two-volume. It's a second volume. I'm sorry, not a two-volume. It's the second volume of Luke's two-volume account. The first volume was the Gospel of Luke. And in the Gospel of Luke, Luke writes about all Jesus began to do and teach. And Luke talks about all the things that Jesus began to do. And Acts is what Jesus continued to do and what Jesus continued to teach now through the church that Jesus started. He, it, was, it was now that Luke shows us in the book of Acts this miraculous growth and expansion of the church as they are carrying out Jesus' command to expand his kingdom by making disciples and sharing the gospel message of his kingdom. And so we read in this how Luke starts this account about what Jesus would continue to do after his resurrection. And in verse 3, we read that after his suffering, so after his death, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about, and I want you to underline these three words because these are so important. He spoke about the kingdom of God. A couple things I just want to point out real quick. First, Jesus appeared to them. Who is that them? Well, that them is more than the 12 disciples. That them is more than the 120 who would gather in the upper room that we would read about in Acts chapter 2, where they would be then empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come on them. The church would be birthed in that moment because now the Holy Spirit would indwell the church, which is now the new temple. It would be more than that. That them, Paul would 
talk about that them in Corinthians. And in one of his letters, he would say to this church in Corinth that Jesus appeared at one time to over 500 people at one time. So that them represents hundreds, if not thousands of people that saw a convincing proof that Jesus was alive. So if you're skeptical, maybe you're watching today or maybe you're listening and you're skeptical about that Jesus is alive. See, our faith is, is based on something that we are certain of, the resurrection of Jesus. This is where your faith lies. This is where the first century church faith rested. It was founded on something that was unshakable, the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus spoke as he did this. He spoke about the kingdom of God, the unshakable kingdom of God. And they were so transformed by the message of Jesus because of the resurrection of Jesus. It was truth to them. And and Jesus' message pointed to his mission. See, his message was, was the kingdom of God and his mission was the kingdom of God. And in this, Jesus' mission was and is still today, mind you, to establish the kingdom of God. Jesus then turns his mission over to the church, to his people, his kingdom family, his disciples. And as this group of disciples, and he says that now this is your mission. And he tells them this is your mission. And the disciples get excited about this. They get excited. And you know why they get excited? Because like you and like me, they were ready to be a part of something bigger. They were ready to be a part of something that was better. However, They didn't understand that the kingdom of God was different than what they expected the kingdom of God to be. See, Jesus wanted their message to point to his mission. And so he guides them, instructs them. And in verse 8, he says, he gives them their instructions. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he says to them, and you will be my witnesses. And then he starts Labeling some geographic areas, starting in Jerusalem, then you're going to take that out to Judea, and then it's going to expand out even farther into this area of Samaria, and then it's going to go to the ends in all of Judea and to the end of the world. So Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the end of the world. You are going to be my witnesses. You're going to carry my message that points to my mission. See, through Christ... God was establishing his unshakable church that would be this unshakable community. That's who the church is, this unshakable community who would be now responsible to carry out Christ's unshakable mission to share the gospel of Jesus with an unshakable boldness. God was doing then, as we read through the book of Acts, God would be doing unimaginable things as this church, this people, were unshakable in their surrender to Jesus as Lord. God was doing unimaginable things because they were unshakable in their surrender to Jesus as Lord. See, when Jesus is Lord of my life and Jesus is Lord of your life and together we are surrendered to him as Lord, God advances his kingdom through each and every one of us together. 
And this is one of Luke's purposes of writing this. He wants you to see this progressive pattern. See, one of Luke's purposes in writing Acts was to celebrate how the kingdom of God was advancing through as, as God was adding to the church daily and regularly through the obedience of the church. He was adding to the church as they surrendered to Jesus as Lord and were committed to the message of Jesus, which pointed to the mission of Jesus. They, that God added to the church. And we see this in, in at least eight times in the book of Acts. We see that God added to their number daily. And I'll just read a couple. They're, they're, they're referenced in your notes, but let me read these to you. In Acts 2.41, those who accepted the message were baptized. And Luke says about 3,000 were added to their number. In verse 47 of chapter 2, the Lord added to their number. Look at this, daily. Listen to that, daily. Added to their number daily those who were being saved. In Acts 4, but many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 men. And then in Acts 5, nevertheless, more and more men and women. Now it was, see, it was multiple. It wasn't gender specific. It was men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. The reality is, is God grows the church as the people of God shared the message of God to carry out the mission of God. And this is the teaching big idea I want you to see today. That as we take this journey today, see the Holy Spirit empowers and guides the church to expand his kingdom, to expand God's kingdom by making disciples who are loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus. God empowers, and he's going to guide a people who are committed in expanding God's kingdom by making disciples who are loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus. Now, there's a blank in your notes for those of you that have notes today, isn't there? Okay? You know why there's a blank in that no your notes? Because you can't, no, you can't spell church without you. So I want you to write your name in. That was really cheesy, I know. Thank you for your courtesy laugh. <laughs> but the reality is, God can't do this, and he won't do this without you. See, God has strategically designed the church to be empowered to carry out his mission. He wants to use you. He designed you, and he's called you, and he wants to empower you for something that's bigger than yourself. And he wants to bring you into something that you will be a part of that is better than anything you could ever do by yourself. See, when the Holy Spirit guides us and empowers us, and when the Holy Spirit empowers us and guides us together as a community, we expand God's kingdom by sharing the message of God that points to the mission of God. This is what loving Jesus Becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus is all about. This is why it's our mission as a church family, because it advances the kingdom of God, which is the mission of God. And God's kingdom expands one way and one way only, as we make disciples who are also loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus. This is the only way God's kingdom expands, is through you and I making disciples.
See, God's kingdom expands that way. And this is what Luke describes happening. They were sharing the good news message of Jesus that pointed to the mission of Jesus. And people were added to that number daily. And most of this expansion happened after the persecution of the church, which we read about and we talked a little bit about last week. We see that in Acts chapter chapter 6 through 8. And God used persecution to get the disciples out of Jerusalem into Judea and into Samaria. And we read about the outcome of this and we see the progression of this specifically in Acts chapter 9. Read this with me in verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, look at this, the church not just throughout Judea, in Galilee and Samaria. See this, it's now reaching now to the Samaria Luke's describing. And now they enjoyed a time of peace and were strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Living in the all of God, that's what the fear of God means. By being fully surrendered to Jesus as Lord. How do you know you're living in the fear of God? You're 100% committed to Jesus as your Lord. And they were encouraged then by the Holy Spirit. And look, God continued to add to their number. They increased in number. See, the number now represents something. It doesn't just represent Jews in Jerusalem. In fact, that number didn't even represent the Jews in, the, in Acts 2 because at Acts 2, the scholars believe there were at least 23 to 25 nations present there in Acts 2 that we know of. Cultures that were not Jewish were a part of this. At, and, and they were present there when God poured his spirit out and the first 3,000 were added to the church that day. And as the disciples would continue to do this through persecution, they were now doing this in the outer regions of Judea. And even in Samaria, the gospel of Jesus was reaching and the kingdom family of God was becoming more diverse in this. And the church started in diversity in Acts 2. And Jesus' mission is that his message continues to reach diverse cultures, people who are much different than the Jews. He called the Jews to reach those that were unlike them. And Luke illustrates the mission to be a diverse family by sharing a dream that Peter has. And and in this dream, Peter, who, mind you, is a devout Jew, was told by Jesus to eat. And as a sheep was lowered before Peter, had all these different meats of four-legged animals and and, and like pork, which if you know a Jew, they don't eat pork, and all these types of insects that they were considered unclean and would defile a Jew, according to the, the Torah and the Jewish custom. And in this, Jesus tells Peter, Don't call unclean what I have made pure. Don't you dare do that, Peter. Peter wakes up, and as soon as he wakes up, someone shows up and gives Peter an invitation to come to the Roman guard, the centurion of the guard, like the leader of the guard, the Roman centurion, Cornelius. Now, this is wild, very wild. So, because Cornelius had a vision right before Peter had his vision. Cornelius had a vision, and Jesus told Cornelius to go find Peter. You can't make this stuff up. This this is why you need to read the book of Acts, okay? So he tells Cornelius to go find Peter. Cornelius, this Roman centurion, goes and sends for Peter. The servant shows up at Peter's house and invites him to come to Cornelius' house, a Roman man who was a Gentile. And if you know anything about Jewish culture, 
in the Jewish. To associate and be in the same house as a Gentile would make him, Peter, ceremonially unclean. But God made it clear to Peter that he's bringing all nations into his family, including Rome. Romans. Peter did not like Romans, Roman, especially soldiers. Remember what Peter did to a Roman soldier on the night before Jesus' death? He lost his ear. Not Peter, the guard, because Peter did not like the Romans. And here God puts a Roman in Peter's path to show him that his gospel is for everyone. And then Peter in front of Cornelius, begins to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Now, you need to know something here. It's possibly seven years. It's more, I mean, it's realistic that this is seven years since Acts 2. It took Peter that long for that experience and the truth of Jesus, of what his gospel is. And it took a a vision from God himself and Jesus himself to say that this is for all nations, even the Romans. It's for all kinds of people, even the people that you don't like. This is for them. And next, Luke describes what happens as this continued reach of the church hits all these diverse communities. And these... This reach happens because of the persecution or the despair, the, the dispersion of the church. And, and, and in this, it was through the persecution that the first multi-ethnic church would be birthed in the ancient city of Antioch. Because God's message is to reach a people that points to his mission. That all nations, all people can be a part of his kingdom family. And in verse 19 Of chapter 11, we read, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and look, Antioch. Spreading the word, but look at this, only among the Jews, only among those who were like them. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, (laughs) went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You know what Luke is describing? As you and I carry the message, as the church continues to carry the message of Jesus that points to the mission of Jesus, people will believe and turn to hear the message of Jesus. Then when we carry the message to people that are unlike us and, and, and invite them to, to into this amazing story and invite them to turn to Jesus and receive him as their Savior and follow him as their Lord, as we are faithful to that and bold to that and surrender to his mission, God will bring more people into his number and God will add to his number. And Luke says that that, that, that moment, the church leaders then, they send for Barnabas because now they had this whole new culture of all these different, this, this whole new uh, church with all these different cultures present and they needed to be disciples. So they call for Barnabas. They send him to Antioch and Barnabas gets there and he immediately realizes that this is too big of a, of a problem. He, he can't disciple all these people. So he calls for backup and look, let's read about who he calls for backup. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for our friend Saul. 
He knew that, there's, that the Holy Spirit sent him to go find Saul. And so found him. he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul, which we also know as the Apostle Paul, met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. See, Saul and Barnabas were now discipling new believers in Antioch to follow Jesus, to know him, to love him, to become like him, and to share him. And I want you to know something. This created a huge mess, a big mess. Because when you get all these different cultures together and they're fellowshipping with, and they're building relationships with one another and they're bringing all their culture together and they're trying to follow Jesus, it gets messy. And there, that diversity among that Antioch church was a big, messy situation. It, in fact, it was creating some divisive arguments among the people there. Now that, now that all these cultures were clashing, in fact, the, it was a real big mess because the devout Jewish Christians were putting, enforcing the non-Jewish Christians, the, the devout Jewish Christians were forcing the non-Jewish Christians to follow things like circumcision. That would be very uncomfortable. They were making them eat things that, and, and say they couldn't eat things and restricting them to eat things. And they were say, trying to pull them into all of these other customs that were a part of the Torah and the Mosaic Old Covenant. And then the disciples say, we got to figure this out. So they call a council together and prayerfully they come together and the Holy Spirit does something very important that Luke describes happening at the Jerusalem council in Acts 15 because of all the diversity that was amongst them. And after much discussion, Peter gets up, we read, and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Speaking of what happened in Acts 2. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you test to why do you try to test God? I just want to say that again, because maybe this is for us as a church, especially in America. Why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. You know what happens? Anytime you and I discriminate about who should or should not hear the gospel based on our disobedience to share the gospel, we test God. Anytime we put a, a, a requirement on someone and, and we become through our our, uh, what we do and say to say that, and we, we share this message and, and church becomes this place that, you know, I have to be perfect before I can hear the message of gospel or I can show up to be included in the family. We test God. Anytime that we do this, we test God. 
See, this is the message of the gospel that points to Jesus. What he says, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. See, it's a grace through faith. It's not by my works. It's not by their works. And just as you're saved, not by your goodness or your good works or even you following anything, that's not what saves you. Christ alone saves you. And don't put burdens on other people to say you can't come to God unless because the foot of the cross is open for every one of us. And it is by grace alone that we are saved. And we, the church, should not discriminate against those who God is calling and inviting into his kingdom family to know who he is. Receive him as Savior and follow Jesus as Lord. And then Luke records something. He records James' words. The half-brother of Jesus gets up, and this man has authority in Jerusalem. I mean, he grew up with Jesus. He saw a resurrected Jesus. In fact, he didn't put his faith in Jesus until he saw Jesus resurrected. That should land maybe heavy on some of you who are skeptical about who Jesus is. And this is what James says. He says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult. I want you to underline those four words, not make it difficult. Church, we should not make it difficult for people who are not like us to be a part of us. The community of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, should be the most irresistible community in the world. This is who we are because this is who God is. He does not discriminate. But he welcomes in all. And this is what we need to do. We do not need to make it difficult for people. And this is what I love about Westside. This is why this environment in here is is such a powerful thing thing because of all the people in here who want to make this an environment where people, regardless of their background, regardless of their past, regardless of of the culture they're in or, or the life that they live, that regardless, this is a place where you are welcomed because we want you to know that Jesus is for you and we're for you. And this is why we invite people who are unlike us to be with us. This is why we not just do this here, but we open our homes and we invite them to be with us because we want them to know the gospel message of Jesus because it points to a mission that gives, wants to bring life to them and transform them. Jesus would say in John chapter 6, verse 38, that he never turns away those who come to him. He will never drive away those who turn to him. And this should be a mantra of the church. This is what we are, a diverse community. See, Jesus is calling people from all cultures and all different backgrounds and all different to come to him, to receive him as their savior and follow him as their Lord. This is the life-giving message that we carry. And Jesus' message was for all people, for broken people, for hurting people, for poor people, for lonely people, for helpless people to come to him who is the force of life, who freely gives life to those who trust in him as Savior and follow him as Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And this is what Luke describes the church continuing to be a voice of. And Luke uses the last third of his book to share how Jesus would use Paul, the Apostle Paul, to take this gospel message all the way even to King Agrippa. 
And the way Luke ends is so abrupt, but it's so appropriate. Paul's made it all the way to Rome. He thinks he is under, uh, he's on his last leg of his life. We find out later that he would be released and then again put in prison, and then he would lose his life. But at this moment, he thinks the end has come. He's on house arrest, and this is what Luke tells us, that Paul, in verse 31, proclaimed, look at this, the kingdom of God, and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Luke started with Jesus preaching about the kingdom of God and and ended with Paul proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the question is, and this is why I believe he ends it so abruptly and so like, what's the next? Where's the story go? Because the church, we are writing Acts 29. We are embodying the kingdom of God, the message of God that it points to the mission of God. The question is, will we continue to allow Jesus to use us to proclaim his message that points to his mission to bring all people who follow him and receive him as savior into his kingdom family. See, God's kingdom, I believe, will have an unshakable reach as we do three things. And we see this described all the way through the book of Acts. See, God's kingdom will have an unshakable reach as we form diverse communities where people are valued equally. All the way through Acts, you'll see people, it didn't matter their culture. It, and, and Paul would write to the church in Galatia because this is what he experienced. That there's near, at, the, at the foot of the cross, it's all equal because there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's no class. I mean, there's no culture. There's no ethnic dis- difference. There's, there's no class difference. There's neither slave nor free. There's no gender the, the exclusion to the kingdom of God that, that you, it's only for one gender or another. No, see, it, it, it's, it's, it's an invitation to all. There's neither male nor female. This is what he would write to the church in Galatia. But because of the, the gospel is for everyone, and, and while each of us are given gifts, yes, we all have different gifts, and, and, but we are equally valued, and we see that value equally amongst us. And what do we do? We gather together to love one another, and Jesus would say, this is how you love me. And the church would continue to gather together to love one another and express the value that each person had in the kingdom of God. And this is what the reach looks like. As as we do this, as we love one another by gathering together to love Jesus, this is what will happen. We will express our love by doing this. We will express our love to him by loving all who have become a part of our, even if they're not like us. At the we, 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 we're all following Jesus together. We want to help them follow Jesus. And we, you don't have to be like us to be with us. And we recognize that we're all sinners. We all need a savior. And not one of us are better than the other because it's only through faith alone that we've been invited into this family and been given a gift of life. And we give our, our rights in this family for the sake of others, to know Jesus. We all have different gifts, but we have the same value as we elevate the value of others. And our church community should be made up of men and women of all cultures that are represented in our community. Because this is who the message of Jesus is meant to reach. 
And the community of Jesus should be irresistible because we are that people. And see, God's kingdom also will have an unshakable reach as we obey. As we obey the Holy Spirit and trust in God's work, God's power to work in us and through us. When we go to scripture and we see scripture as what guides our beliefs and actions, this is what guides our beliefs and actions. And when we obey the Holy Spirit and, 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 we, and, we, and, and we, his truth as we see it in scripture, and as through our obedience that God transforms us. See, it's only in obedience and you stepping out in faith to obey scripture and God's leading that God's power is there to work in your life. And it's only as you obey that God's power will work through your life. It's there when we step out in faith and follow him. And we're gonna have an unshakable faith as we step out in faith and obey. And also God's kingdom will have an unshakable reach as we share the good news in word and action. Some of us are really good at sharing the kingdom of God in word alone, but you can't share the message of Jesus in word alone. It's gotta be met with action. And some of us are all about just the action. We wanna share the love of Jesus and his precious, but we don't share the truth of Jesus and the message of Jesus and the message of his kingdom family to, to for all to receive him as savior, repent of their sins and follow him as Lord. We, it has to be combined. It has to be in word and action. And the book of Acts is a beautiful illustration of what God does and has reached as a church that embodies the word of God and lives it out in action. And this is what we are doing. We are loving Jesus. And, and, and when we do this, we have to do this by faith with our works. James would say faith without works is dead. One is not exclusive of the other. See, the unshakable truth of Jesus is what will reach the unreached in our city and beyond as together we follow Jesus. This is what the unshakable truth of Jesus will do as we follow Jesus together. See, as we're loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus, as we're loving Jesus by gathering together to love one another, people who are not like us, they're gonna wanna see the power of God work in their life because of the testimony of God working in our life. And they're gonna know that God loves them because of our love for them. And then we're gonna become like Jesus by navigating scripture to follow Jesus together. We're gonna to share Jesus. We're gonna share Jesus by praying one, with one another. That this is who we are as a community. This is what we do. We pray, we share the power of Jesus with one another. We share the power of Jesus as we share the mission of God and our mission to bless those around us. See, your story will reach people in your neighborhood. Your story will reach people in our city that my story cannot reach. That's why you're supposed to be a witness in those areas. And together, God will do something amazing through us. See, you are a valued member of God's kingdom, his kingdom family that he calls the church. And you have a purpose. You have significance. And you have meaning. And your purpose is to be a disciple who makes disciples. And that's who we are as a church. And you are needed. And this is where you're going to discover the joy that God created you to have, that fills your void, 
And you're going to experience, and that joy is going to become complete, as Jesus would say in John 15. And this is how you will do what God has called you to do and how you, we together will become a community who loves all others because we know the love of Jesus and what it means to us. And we're going to do this by together right now. We're going to share Jesus with one another. We've been doing this throughout our series. And I want to invite you to pray with one another right now. And so I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, find the person next to you. Uh, you know, this could be some two or three people together. Go ahead and stand with me online. We're going to invite you to do this. And this is what I'm just going to ask you to pray a simple prayer. And it, 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 pr- pray this, God, empower and guide my friend. You get to know their name. If their name's Mike or Susan, you just say, God, empower and guide my friend. And I want you to pray with them. God, empower and guide my friend to follow you and expand your kingdom. Online, will you do this for one another? We, we, we want to do this with you. Just find somebody. Nobody praying alone. Find somebody. I want you to pray, and then we're going to sing, and then I'm going to come back and give you an announcement after we sing. Will you do that? Father, empower and guide my friend to expand your kingdom as they follow you. Pray with one another. That's beautiful. Go.